Super Talk Mississippi media production. Did you know Toyota Brookhaven has sold more new vehicles the last two years than any other dealership in southwest Mississippi? Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. 17 years in the NFL. 17. Retiring at 39. Playing quarterback for that long. My next guest did just that. And man, could he throw it. I met him on the tee box at a charity event. I was paired with he and Heisman winner Gino Toretta from the Miami Hurricanes. Now that's all good if my next guest didn't spend his college years playing at Notre Dame. I was like, when's the fight going to break out, boys? And and just kind of cracking up. Catholics versus convicts. I mean, we all know the rivalry. But it was obvious these guys were over it. You know, as time heals all things and you grow up, I could tell these guys were buddies. I love watching my next guest play that heralded position like he did. And I'm pumped to have him on the show. It's been a long time since I've talked to him. In on a Mississippi Minute, please welcome number seven, Steve Berline. Hello, Steve-O. That's Great, great, great to be back uh, in in, uh, in your world, and uh, looking forward to, to this this great time we're going to have together here to just cut it up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it. I appreciate you taking the time. I uh, I've I've been, you know, I make the joke that I'm going to run out of friends, but uh, I'll go through a new list, and all of a sudden I've got four more. So I, I, you know, you're one of the new, you're one of the four in. I appreciate you taking the time. I know you're in California right now. I am, yes, sir. All right, let's talk about the kids real quick. Let's talk about family because I know you got a lot of them. What's going on? Give me some uh, scoop real quick about what's going on in their lives. Well, I've, I mean, it's uh, it's amazing. You know, I, I feel bad that uh, we we have not been in as close a contact as we, as we uh, should should have been. But life gets in the way sometimes. Oh, yeah. and I've got four kids, and, and uh, three of them are now uh, actually my third uh, is graduating from high school this year. The first two are. Um, uh, 21 and 19. Um, one is trying to figure out exactly the oldest one is trying to figure out exactly where he wants to go on for to get his degree. He's going to community college right now. And then my my daughter, 19 years old, Kaylee, she's at the University of Colorado and doing spectacularly well. And, and then my third is getting ready to graduate high school this year. My little one, Kendall, my 12 year old sixth grade daughter, she, she's the son I never had. Man, she's the one that. That uh, everything I suggest and everything that I, uh, you know, want to do uh, with her, she just jumps in and says yes. Let's go full <laughs> speed. Uh, she likes to surf. She does karate. She snowboards. She plays basketball. She 
plays golf. She does it all, and she does it all, you know, with just a great attitude and a hundred percent effort, and, and just kind of lights up my life. So, oh, I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm really getting to enjoy that little one uh, because she's a little bit behind the others, and it's it's, it's good daddy daughter time. You know, it reminds me. I, I wrote a song on my my latest record with Steve Azar and the Kingsmen, which is. Uh, was out in august and and i spent time paying attention so much attention trying to make my oldest son who lives out in california now is graduating college uh he's in the film world he's you know hopefully going to make big movies and he's an incredible mind but i tried to make him a quarterback and little did i know he was a filmmaker <laughs> I, you know our middle yeah. son had a great basketball career but he's uh he wants to be a doctor and he's smart enough to realize that you know what it takes so he's working he's at Ole Miss and then our daughter comes along and she was the one that was like like you're saying I was like wasn't paying attention to the girl you know and I wrote this song called Tender and Tough which it, it is her and it's probably a lot about your daughter as well how you're yeah. sort of plugging along all of a sudden you realize you look back and this one's like really like fighting you know what i mean like and overachieving and and doing things that you you wanted your boys to do and uh yeah. and yeah. so i think we both are living that and uh ours is ours is a little older now she's 17 but uh uh she's that same spark plug and and uh she's tender and she's tough and i love that she's tender uh, it, and tough I, yeah I love it. I yeah. love the sound of it already. Yeah, we'll have to play it. We'll play it during the segment. Will my producer will will spin it? Yeah, I love that. Well, I love, I love it. it. Okay, so nobody's following in the footsteps. We're talking to Steve Berline right now. Uh, he is in home in California. Uh, one of my favorite quarterbacks ever because he threw it. Number seven. So tell me. So, in, so none of your boys it did, just wasn't in their in their makeup, or they they weren't into it. I mean, they got to really watch you play. I mean, you they were older kids while you were playing. They they were old enough to remember some of it. Uh, you know, they I got married at 31 and uh, retired. You know, when I was 39, I didn't realize I was that old, but I guess I was. And uh, so they were. My oldest was seven or eight years old. Right. Um, and my other two were shortly behind. So they remember a little bit. And uh, you know, the 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 crazy thing about it all is that uh, you, you just you sit there and you have this vision of, of what you uh, ideally would would project your family to look like. And we we wanted four kids. We wanted two boys and two girls. We got all that. It was unbelievable. That's that impressive. That worked out. But <laughs> the problem is that they have their own little minds and they have their yeah. own little things that, that kind of come along. And it's not always on the same uh, wavelength as you. But guess what, man? They're all super good kids, and um, they've brought so much joy to our life. And uh, my oldest son loved to love football but uh, it never it never was really something that came natural for him and and, uh, and he didn't get the support he needed uh from his high school coach which was really disappointing to me he was a right. kid that was kind of a he was kind of a late bloomer you know and, and he mm-hmm. wanted to be good and he wanted to play and he, he just was one of those kids that it just took him a little bit longer to kind of find his way and figure out exactly you know what he needed to do to, to just catch up a little bit and uh, I think he was really making good progress after his sophomore year in high school, but uh, the coaches just didn't give him the support he needed and the encouragement, and he just didn't think he was very good. So he said, you know what, I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't, I'm not having any fun. I don't like it. And so um, I was totally fine with that. He gave it a great effort, and uh, that's all you can ever ask out of your kids. And then my second son, who's my third child, uh, that's Jacob, he – he was a real natural athlete, uh, loved football when he was younger. But you know what he told me when he was in seventh grade? He told 
told me, he said, Dad, I really love football. He said, except I don't like the way I feel before the games. He said, there's wow. so much stress, and the coaches are yelling, and right. everybody's all uptight. And he said, I don't like all that stress. And so he ended up saying, you know what, I don't want to play football anymore. He just focused on soccer. And uh, he became a heck of a soccer player. And uh, it just wasn't quite as important to him as, as I right. think it should have been. But if he wanted to pursue soccer, he could have been a D1 soccer player. I, I have no doubt about it. But he just decided he doesn't want to play any soccer after right. after this year. So, uh, you know, he, he's got his own ambitions, and I'm going to support him 100%. Absolutely, that's the way you're supposed to be. And I know it's sort of, sort of you look back at coaches, so let's talk about that. I'm thinking about coaches and their responsibility, especially now, of not only wanting kids, especially you're seeing a lot of recruiting happening in certain schools, in big cities especially. I saw it in Nashville. I saw, you know, you see it in, in, different, in, in different cities. We have, right? we have a lot of it out here in Southern California. And you're you know dealing that. with that, right? So, well, we're yeah. dealing with that, but what about the responsibility of making sure that once you've gotten those kids there, that you're going to see it all the way through? So when you got kids with talent, um, you know, you just can't just go, okay, what, did, what have you done for me today, and then see you later. I'm not worried about, what you're, about your tomorrow. I'm only worried about mine as a coach. I disagree with that. I think that you, when you got talent, you got to make that extra effort to go that extra mile to make sure you know what it took to be great. So, I mean, it seems like if I'm a coach and I've got you as the dad, man, I'm not going to screw that up. So they still screw it up. They do, and 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 here's here's what happens. You 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 hit a real core with me on that. You're 100 percent right. Uh, my biggest regret, you know, here I am now. I'm 53 years old. Just the the bottom line is that these coaches today, uh, there's so much pressure on them. They put so much focus on winning at all costs. My biggest regret is that I didn't get into high school coaching when when I retired from football back in 2003, I would have really, I think, been a difference maker because it's so important to me that not only is, is the winning and losing important, sure, you're going to be judged even at the at the high school level by wins and losses mm-hmm. nowadays, unfortunately. And I do think that there's, that, that you do, that is important, obviously. I mean, and, and a program wants to be successful and you want to be one of the elite programs, I get it. But the number one priority, I think, for a high school football coach is to impact the kids in a positive way and to be a difference maker, to help shape their character and form them into the good young men that that, uh, really are missing a lot around around our country now, around our world these days. I think the impact of the high school football coach, I look back on my career, those were the most impactful men other than my dad, and I had a great, I have a great dad, but other than my dad, these guys are the ones that really shaped who I am. Of and course, I just I think a lot of times coaches today get too caught up in it, and they they don't if these kids don't buy in and do it exactly the way they want to, they write them off and cast them off to the side. They don't worry about them anymore. I, I just think that's wrong. I, I do too. We were Steve Berline. NFL great quarterback, great quarterback, number seven. You are in a Mississippi minute. We'll be right back. My baby's tender and tough Mmm, tender and tough It's 
easier than ever to hear Super Talk anywhere. Now you can get Super Talk Mississippi on Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Alexa to find out more. For news, politics, sports, and the good things happening in Mississippi, the conversation starts here. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. When you're young, you think you know it all. Yeah, you're hot, right, cocky. Everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. My guest today is Steve Berline, uh, amazing quarterback for so many teams in the NFL. A lot of teams. You were you played 19 years in the league. You're going to move around. <laughs> so Don't age me, man. I was 17 years in the league. I mean, what did I just say? 17, 39 years old. 19. I'm not aging. Yeah. Well, that's all right. 41 would have been cool if you could have, you know. That would have been. I, you know. Looking back at it, I wish I could have got two more years in it. I don't know, man, because I don't know if it would have been wise on the body because that's what we're going to talk about right now. I love talking about the injuries because you had them and how your body – and I want to go back and I want to look at – I want to take your injuries back to the beginning because I know you. I've seen you play golf. You're just a heck of an athlete. You can tell. you know. And so you had to be a pitcher. Tell me you pitched or you played shortstop. Right? I pitched and played shortstop. That's what I did. Yes, sir. Well, there you go. Okay, so well, you're you know that's it's an easy guess when you're the leader of the team and all that. Sort of that guy, but mm-hmm. so let's talk about about you as a high school kid and the the uh, the the reps you were putting on your shoulder and and how it affected you early on in your career. Correct. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. I did have some shoulder issues, but it was it was not related to in general. It was not related to wear and tear. Uh, they were they were injuries. They were they were a result of hits. Okay. And for, fortunately for me, in high school, I didn't have any real injuries. And then at Notre Dame, uh, after my sophomore year or during my sophomore year, I did take a shot uh, directly to the outside of my shoulder that that. Uh, you know, one of the things that took a lot of pride in all the way back to, to, to high school and through college and through the 17 years, I never got knocked out of a game due to injury. And, and uh, I took a lot of pride in that. I had a lot of games, a lot of games that I got hurt where the next day I ended up realizing I had to have surgery. So I missed a few games after that, but I never got knocked out of a game due to, due to injury. And uh, until, the, until the last game of my career, when I was with the Denver Broncos, I snapped my pinky and it's kind of hard to throw without a pinky, so it was, uh, yeah. it was kind of a tough situation. But, but the bottom line is, you know, the injuries are part of it. The shoulder for me, um, you know, really, the, 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 I had several surgeries to both my right and left shoulder, uh, and it was really most of the injuries, other than one little tendonitis episode I had with my right shoulder, um, were, were the result of direct impact or getting driven into the ground with mm. some big old moose on top of me. You know, right. that, that that doesn't that's hard for a for a shoulder to hold up with that kind of impact, but uh, you know, fortunately for me now, Steve, I'm, I'm I've, I've had 21 surgeries in my career, or I had 19 in my career, and then uh, two more after I retired. I had both hips replaced. But honestly, I can do pretty much everything I need to do for a 53 year old guy. I can run around with my kids. I can shoot the basketball, which was always my favorite sport. I was a, a serious high school basketball player as well as baseball and football, but. Um, you know, I can I can run around and play, play throw the baseball, throw the football, and and do all the play play golf. Obviously, that's that's something I'm still trying to do whenever I can. But uh, very very fortunate that despite all that I've been through physically, that my body is is holding up pretty well now for uh, for an old fart like me. <laughs> okay, so I want to so I want to <laughs> ask them first of all, 
I, you, you're talking about your pinky. I can't play guitar without my pinky. I need them both. So, uh, right. especially my left pinky. So, we're talking about guitar versus playing football. But Peyton Manning, you, Tom Brady. We're going to talk about quarterbacks that withstood Eli Manning. So, let's talk about. Favre, your boy Favre. You well, oh, yeah, Brett. What am I thinking? Brett, of yeah, course. Of yeah. course. Brett. Uh, and, and you could have, I mean. I see what three of them have in common. They grew up around, you know, they grew up uh, around Mississippi and Louisiana. But and, and and obviously Archie took a lot of hits and was broken up pretty bad, you know, a lot. He got yeah. hurt. So how? What do you credit? Well, you know, first off, it, and it was when we were playing, it was a different game than what it is now, too. By the way, you know, it's a, it's a different animal with the rules the way they are now. Uh, the type of hits that that were allowed back when we played are not allowed anymore, and. So the body is not taking the the beating uh, today that the, that the body took back when we were playing. So that's not to say it's still not a, a violent game because we all know that it is. But you know, for me, I was just blessed. Uh, it, it, you know, here, here's the way I kind of thought about things. I, I was not very mobile. Uh, Lou Holtz used to always make fun of me. In fact, he still does make fun of me about uh, if I got into a race with a pregnant woman, I'd come in third. And uh, so, so the, the bottom good. line, though, is that if you can't move and if you can't avoid the hit, you better be able to take a hit. And and I was always very fortunate. I was a pure pocket passer. I, I'd stand in there, and I would wait until the, I'd let the play develop down the field. And I took a lot of hits right as I was letting go of the football, which are really the worst hits. You know, when a, when you're totally exposed, you give right. up that rib cage, Vulnerable. stepping into a throw, and someone's coming right into your chin or into your chest. Um, I was always able to, to, to pop back up. And you know what it was? I, it was? I think it was just the way that I was wired, that, that when I got hit like that, it got me, I, I almost, I don't want to say I enjoyed it, because that would be pretty morbid to say yeah. that I enjoyed yeah, yeah. it. But, but I would always not want that guy that hit me to think that he got me. So right. I immediately <laughs> would pop up as quickly as I could. I'd look him in the eye and say, is that all you got? Is that all you got? Even if I was dying inside, I did not want them to right. know that I was hurt. Yeah. And so I would get up and I'd try to find my way, fight my way through it. And, uh, fortunately, my body was always able to uh, to respond, and, and uh, I lasted a long time. I don't I don't know what to attribute it to other than that. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta say that. But like I said, you're hard headed, and you you want like Brett. I remember. Uh, Brett would just tell me that he'd like to turn. He looked like when when Favre would play, it looked like that the last second he'd throw it and then he'd turn and hit one of the linemen. <laughs> like I felt like, yeah, you know, because I was there a lot, especially the year they won the Super Bowl. Uh, Brett and I did this crazy, stupid record together that the NFL had. I can't remember exactly how we ended up getting paired together, but we did. And then I spent just about every home game that year on the sidelines. If I wasn't doing the anthem, I was still coming up. And I just watched the hits that he took. But then I always noticed, I said, I think he just threw a forearm. <laughs> you know, I think he threw a pass <laughs> and threw a forearm. And I think that you and him, and y'all had this man mentality that was – tough as nails and you did get hit harder than quarterbacks are getting hit today and in places mm-hmm. that you know that's just totally you know you get suspended you give you well, you get fined or you can you can you know you can you can be suspended for a game i mean if you, right, you, you know win. so so i guess we're, we're so we're talking to steve burline old number seven he is in california and i'm in mississippi and that's just the way we roll but okay <laughs> so take me back to high school and going to Notre yep. Dame, there was a it was a breeding ground for a lot of players. 
and you came from across the country. And I guess you must have played. I mean, how did how did they find you? I really didn't start a, a high school football game until my senior year, and so. I was going to go to college and play basketball, or or get drafted and play baseball. See, that excites me. Bet the hoop part because I'm that's my favorite sport. So you're exciting me right now, and I'm a little disappointed in you actually. But go ahead. (laughs) But but so here's the deal. So so you know I was being even even though I wasn't the starting quarterback until my senior year, I was still being recruited because my high school was a very strong program, and there were a lot of college coaches around all the time, and they they knew that I was coming up. We just happened to have a guy. There was a year ahead of me that was pretty good, too. And uh, he ended up going to Princeton, started at Princeton for three years, and still holds all the Ivy League records to this day. So he kept me on the bench, and, right. uh, but, I, but coaches knew who I was. Uh, I was not being recruited by Notre Dame at the time, but a lot of the West Coast schools and uh, some of the Texas schools and places like that. But uh, we went back, and they, my freshman year, they knew that we were going to be a good team my senior year at Servite High School in Anaheim. And we set up a game with Cincinnati Moeller, by the way. We flew back and played Moeller in Ohio, in Cincinnati. And of all people, guess who was at that game? It was Jerry Faust's father was at that game. Jerry was already at Notre Dame. Hmm. But Jerry Faust's father, who was a football coach, a longtime football coach, uh, all through Jerry know, growing up years, uh, he was at the game. He saw me play. He called up Jerry Faust and said, you have got to go after this kid from California. You won't believe the way he can throw the football. And so that immediately was when Notre Dame all of a sudden turned their focus to me. And, um, you know, we can get into a lot of different things about Jerry Faust. The bottom line was he was an incredible recruiter. He was a wonderful person. Uh, Didn't realize it until Lou Holtz got to Notre Dame. But Jerry was just a little bit over his head. He wasn't. Uh, able to to make that jump, a huge jump from high school football to college football, and and we all suffered because of it. If we didn't know any better, we we played hard, we tried to win for him, uh, but he just didn't quite know how to coach uh, at the higher right. level, and, and that's where we struggled. And fortunately, I got one year with Lou Holtz uh, to finish out my Notre Dame career. That's unbelievable. Okay, so here's here's what we're gonna do. I lo- I love that because I want to talk to you a second more on that, but we're gonna take a break. But before we take a break. Mississippi, you get to play DJ. It's part of the deal. Mississippi is the birthplace of American music. That means basically every genre of popular music that you've ever listened to, Steve, is, uh, well, it came from here. And I lo- we love to brag on that because it's, it's the truth. So play DJ and tell me. I'm going to throw a couple of people maybe you haven't heard of, but you're just going to have to pick it. Because I loved what one guy I wrote with, and the other one I didn't write with, but he's a legend. Would you like to hear a little Willie Dixon or Freddie Noblock? I'll go with some, I'll go with some Willie Dixon. Go with some cool. Willie Dixon. <laughs> My yeah, baby. Take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're, on, you're listening to In a Mississippi Minute. I'm Steve Azar. We're with Steve Berline, number seven. We'll be right back. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Steve Azar on Facebook.com Steve Azar Live and listen to all my music, Steve Azar and Steve Azar and the King's Men, wherever you download or stream. What 
is your name? What is it? Super Talk Mississippi, number one in the Magnolia State for news, weather, sports, and talk that matters to you. Don't you forget it. Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and supertalk.fm. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. You are in the backside of all 60 minutes of a Mississippi Minute. I know that's confusing, but if you're from here, you get it. It takes us a little longer because we like to take our sweet time, as the song says. I'm with Steve Berline, uh, number seven, just amazing talent in the NFL. We're talking back to his college days. I don't want to spend too much more time talking about that, but to play for the Irish, was that something that you always... Come on, man. I mean, there's USC. You're right there. Uh, there's Notre Dame. There's Miami back then. There's Michigan. There's Ohio State. There's Alabama. It goes on and on. Were you... Was Notre Dame ever on your radar at all until until Jerry Faust's dad saw you? Well, let me tell you. That's, this is great you brought it up because, first off, you have to understand that in my house, I grew up in Southern California, but in my house, USC is a four-letter word. We hated USC, so it was it was one of those things. I, I grew up in a UCLA family, and, and so you can't like USC and UCLA. Right. And you put on top of that, my dad was from the Midwest. He grew up in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, so he grew up in the heartland. And, and uh, right. you know, Notre Dame was he was a strong. German Catholic and, and uh, the Irish were everything to him. He grew up listening to them on the radio, and, and so because of that affiliation and that attraction, I we also loved Notre Dame. So I loved Notre Dame. I loved UCLA. That means I double hated USC. Right. And uh, right. I my, my when I got to where I was making the choice, I had offers from a lot of people. I, I narrowed it down to Notre Dame, UCLA, and Stanford. Those are the three that I was really looking at hard and, and uh, uh, ended up choosing the Irish. So the, obviously you had to have the grades, you had to have the test scores, because you're talking about three schools that just aren't going to let you in uh, unless you have the mind to back it, especially back then. I don't know what, what they're doing now to, to let ca- college, you know, let athletes in to be able to compete, but back then uh, you had to be pretty dang good at school, right? Well, I was I was a good student, yeah. I wasn't a great student, Um uh, but I played four sports. I didn't. I didn't tell you about the four sport. I'm. Gonna, we can get into that one. Are we bowling. We're talking bowling. Never, what are we talking about? No, you won't ever figure it out. Uh, I'm gonna say water you. polo. You're, you're, it's water related. Water related. Okay. And it, well, don't say water ballet because it wasn't that. <laughs> but it was. It was. I was a diver. Believe it or not. Wow. Uh, from a very early age, I dove. I used to dive. This will blow your mind. We go a different way, but we won't do it. I used to dive with Greg Laganis, uh Come on. When I was a kid. Every weekend, we'd go dive at the same meets. He was a age group above me. and uh, But when I was 11, I retired. I started diving when I was 7. And I retired at the age of 11 because my feet started getting too big. <laughs> and I started getting caught up in the other sports, too. And, uh, you know, divers are like gymnasts. Uh, they're really small and compact and explosive, uh, you know, in that kind of an activity. And uh, so when I was 11, Greg Laganis was 13. He won the diver a year for the West Coast in his division. I won the Diver of the Year for the whole West Coast for my age group. Uh, and I retired on top. I got my trophy, and I said, I'm done. I'm now focused on the other sports. <laughs> uh, but I did get a high school letter for diving. So Unbelievable. Uh, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Crazy, right? Well, let me just ask you, just the whole idea of wearing the tight little 
You know, Steve Lundquist, I've had him on our show. And I talk about, <laughs> I, I didn't bring this up, but I'm going to bring it up with you because I can. So what, you put that little thing on, you know what I mean? And you got, that's all you got yeah, on. Let, I don't know if I could let, do let me, that. Let, let me rain on your parade. And this, yeah. is, this is a great story. So what I did, um, when I was younger, it didn't matter as much because I was you know, 10, 11 year old kid, 9, 10, 11 year old kid. So you didn't care when you're that age. But when I got to high school, I was playing football and basketball and baseball. My older brother was the captain of the water polo and swim team. And he was begging me to come out because it was his senior year, and he said, I, we, need a, we need a third diver. You know, most of the schools only have one diver, and they award first, second, and third. If you, if you can take third place every time, which I pretty much could, <laughs> he said, if you can take third place every time, that might be the difference between us winning and losing. So I said, I will do it under one condition. <laughs> the one condition is that I get to wear my own swimsuit. I'm not wearing <laughs> that Speedo. Right there's no way you can let make me to do it. So, uh, you went to, if you ever went to one of my high school swim meets when I was there diving, there was everybody in their little black speedos and everything yeah. else, and I was up there in my orange and brown OP trunks doing <laughs> doing my own thing. And guess what? I took third place every time. See that? So. It didn't hold you back. It didn't. It didn't create a backdraft <laughs> or whatever it would would. Yeah. Look, listen. No. I'm with you. Man, I'm just saying that that freaks me out a little bit, uh, no. and uh, I, you know, you can, this, you know, growing up in Mississippi, it's not the French Riviera, just FYI. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, so we were Steve Berline. I am uh, Steve Azar. We're in Mississippi Minute. Uh, appreciate you guys tuning in. Let's go to the pros. Seventeen you, years. You nailed it early. You Come on, it. man, that's a long time. <laughs> so, tell me your favorite team. Uh, was it the Raiders? Was it the Panthers? I mean, tell me. Well, uh, what I'll tell you is when I was drafted by the Los Angeles Raiders in the fourth round in 1987, I thought it was a dream come true because I was getting to come back to Los Angeles. And, and, and here I was, the hometown kid. It worked out really well for me early on. Uh, my, my second year in the league, 1988, Mike Shanahan became the head coach. and He wanted me to be the starting quarterback. He had a lot of confidence in me. And the problem was that Al Davis was the owner. And uh, right. Al Davis want, wanted uh, uh, a different type of quarterback. He, wanted, he made the trade for Jay Schrader. And uh, Jay Schrader and I went back and forth there. And uh, the bottom line, you know who wins in those situations. The owner usually wins. Uh, Mike Shanahan... Uh, was fired four games into his second year, and, and uh, Jay Schrader was the quarterback, and I ended up moving on to the Dallas Cowboys. And, and uh, I had two years with the Cowboys. They were spectacular years for me. Uh, even though I was Troy Aitman's backup, I got to play quite a bit my first year there in 1991 uh, and, and got to reestablish myself as a starting quarterback. I won a playoff game against the Bears uh, in that season. And the following year, uh, I, I was Troy Aikman's backup for the whole season. We went on to win the first Super Bowl for the, the Cowboys in the 90s. And that was a huge deal. What a great time of life that was. Uh, but the I think the, the, the place where I really kind of uh, found my home was Carolina. And yeah. I was there in 1996 or 2000. Uh, I went there as Kerry Collins' as backup. But in, in 1998, he quit four games into that season. And uh, I became the starting quarterback for the next two and a half years. And 1999, I led the NFL in passing and went to right. the Pro Bowl and really got to establish myself as a real starting quarterback in this league. And uh, that those years were, were, were very, very uh, rewarding years for me. And, uh, Charlotte became our home for, for many years. We lived there for 15 years. And uh, 
I'm very grateful for those five years that I had there for sure. Okay, was Coach Foxy with you guys then, or he came after you? You know, Foxy was after me, but uh, but I, I we lived in the same neighborhood, and I uh, got to know John Fox very, very well, and a lot of respect for him, both as a coach and as a human being, and his wife. Uh, Robin is, is a spectacular woman, yeah, great she's awesome. family, uh, really, really love the Foxes, and, and uh, uh, yeah, I wish I would have had a chance to play for him, because it would have been a lot of fun. Oh yeah, he, he's, he's a hoot. I mean, we've had such a good time together. Uh, it's so funny. I, 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 it shows you how small the world it, world it is at our Delta Soul, which I'm hoping you guys are going to make it this year. He, uh, I brought in Coach Fox. He came in. And then I brought in uh, Tim Fox that played for the Patriots. And uh, they didn't realize they were on Marco Island right around the block for each o- from each other for years. I'm talking about double-digit years. And then, they, you know, now now Tim calls him dad, you know, uh, and I don't know who's older. <laughs> but it's so funny. But since, since, since uh, John's got more gray hair, I think he gets, the, gets to be the dad. Also, <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget this because it was you and our friend Pat McFeely from Charlotte who calls mm-hmm. me. And says, can you get Coach Fox and his wife, they're, they're wanting to go see Bob Seger, and you're on tour with him. And we were in Vegas. And Coach Fox came on board, and we, we had a great time, right? And so he's going, so what are you going to tell, tell the guys before you go out there? And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, are you going to talk to him? Like he wanted me to give a pep talk to the band, and I said, and we were tired, man. We were on, a, we were out for six months basically. Bob would fly in and out on a jet, and he had a day, a day on, a day off. Well, we were stuck out there, especially on the in the West Coast. We'd find a gig and play, and then we'd be back in an arena, right, with Bob. And we played about that's close to fifty shows, so we were gone a lot. And I remember just being so tired, and and. We were at the end, like I said, and Coach Fox goes, well, I said, oh, Coach, no, no, ours is about tempo. And he goes, well, ours is about tempo. And then he goes, well, ours is about, well, I mean rhythm. I mean, like, we we need to set a rhythm. He goes, well, ours is about rhythm. And I went, Mm -hmm. just trust me. So we go out, and every, every time before we get on stage, we would put our hands together, ironically enough, and like we're in a huddle. And we'd go one, two, three till March, which the end of March was going to be the end of the tour, and we were going to be back home. And so mm-hmm. we'd do it, and we're with the stage manager, and all of a sudden this extra hand comes in. It's the seventh hand. And I go, <laughs> I look back, and it's Coach Fox, and he's shaking his head like, what are we about to say, you know? And so we go one, he two, three till so, March, yeah. and he goes, till March. And he goes, what's that mean? <laughs> so anyway, uh, got to be friends with him immediately and then did an anthem in Carolina where apparently they hadn't won a game in like a year and a half. And I came in and I did the anthem and we won. Uh, well, we I like to take the credit. They won. And they wanted me back the next week, but I was going like, guys, that's not happening. But I remember Coach Fox because I hadn't seen him since the Secret Tour, and I'm on a stage out there. They have a stage for some reason. They'd bring it out at the Carolina Games. I'm doing the anthem. He turns and as he hears me, and he looks at me, and he sort of gives me that look, and I almost forget the words because I'm going like, <laughs> but I didn't. I'm telling you, so I go over there, give him a hug. I say, Coach, don't ever do that again. Don't ever, don't ever acknowledge me while I'm doing the national anthem. I'm Steve Azar. We are with the great Steve Berline. We're going to be right back. You are on the downside of it in a Mississippi minute. Hey. 
Head to Head with Matt Wyatt and Richard Cross. Number one, number one. All the very best in sports. Weekday afternoons, 3 to 6, on Super Talk Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Azar. We are in Mississippi Minute. I'm with Steve Berline. I've been talking about Coach John Fox and my experiences. And we are going to, uh, Steve wanted to chat a little bit and wanted to continue on that con- on that flow of conversation. So Steve, what do you got? Well, i got to tell you, so you mentioned, first off, you were talking about the Bob Seeger Tour, and I got to see you, uh, and I believe you can't, I, I don't know if it was in uh, Charlotte. Oh, it was Charlotte, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was in Charlotte. I saw you on that, what a great tour that was. Yeah, we enjoyed it big time, but... But you mentioned that you got to sing the anthem. Uh, the Panthers hadn't won a game in a year and a half or whatever it was. Let me tell you why that was, okay? So after the 2000 season, when I was a starting quarterback, in the 99 season I led the NFL in pass and went to the Pro Bowl. Right. 2000 season, we came back. I had a decent year, but we had a lot of injuries. I played through four injuries that year. I had surgeries on my right elbow and my left shoulder after the season. Didn't miss a snap. Uh, Wesley Wall, you remember Wesley Wall? Of course. Ole Miss tied yeah. in. Uh, he had had 12 touchdowns the year before. Uh, he ended up blowing his knee out early in the season. He was done for the whole year. A lot of just tough things happened. But anyway, George Seifert was our coach coming out of that time. And after the 2000 season, George Seifert made the decision to release me because of salary cap reasons. And uh, I ended up going to Denver, and I was very disappointed to leave Carolina. I really, I believed I earned that position and deserved it. Well, but yeah. George Seifer, they won. They went one. They won their opening game in the one season with Chris Winky at quarterback, and they lost fifteen straight. <laughs> and George Seifer got fired, and that's when John Fox became the coach. And you came in and sang the national anthem, and we so, won. Well, I say we. I keep saying we won. because I felt like I was. A, I participated in that victory, or at least the one of the team. Yeah, yeah. The marketing but, people but, felt like that way, <laughs> but indirectly, it was all related to George Seifert <laughs> releasing me, cutting me. That's what got him fired. What got John Fox in, and you helped him get it turned around. Yeah, so it was a, <laughs> see that the anthem you know, six degrees of separation, right? Well, yeah, and it's just really one there. I mean, the 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 <laughs> thing about Mississippi is we only need one degree. And that's it. We don't need six. <laughs> Kevin Bacon thing, whatever. He doesn't, you know. But, you know, the funny thing is, uh, you're right. Uh, Foxy wasn't there that long. He turned that team around really quick. Uh, and I know he made this comment one time to me. I sure wish I had Steve Berline playing quarterback. Because I was talking about how much I admired you and how, how well I thought you just – just how smart – even watching you maneuver yourself around the golf course is intelligent. You know what I mean? You, you think you're, you're, first of all, a heck of an athlete, but you know that. But you you got a great mind, and you got to have that. And I remember him saying, man, I would have loved to have Steve play quarterback for me. And then he looked up at the sky and he goes, yeah, I would have loved it. <laughs> so anyway. Well, it would have so. been nice. It would have been nice to give it a shot. I would have loved to play for him. And he, he did a good job building a really good football team quickly, like you said. Oh, he did. He did. And, you know, uh, he did it at, at Denver. And, and you know, the, tr- the truth is every game I've ever been to five, I've been to four games with him, and I'm 4-0. and oh. So I told him, mm. even this past year at Pittsburgh, I was at the Steeler game, and uh, I said, you know I haven't lost when I'm around you. 
And so, so I don't know if I'm. Obviously, I was hoping they'd bring me back the next week, but uh, I, I yeah, didn't get that. They pounded Pittsburgh that day too. I remember that. <laughs> it's crazy. All right, so let's yeah. talk before we go. Let's talk about you. You're, you've been at CBS for a long time now. You haven't jumped ship yet, right? You're still at CBS. No, I've been with CBS since 2004. Yes, sir. Right, so, and uh, t- take me. Do you enjoy the comment? You're great at it. You know the game. I talked to Slareth the other day, and Stink was talking about he's starting to get his feet wet and getting to do that now, last couple of years, where he, he wasn't doing it, and you've been doing it forever. And I know you've called a bunch of Titan games, because obviously I used to have the theme song for the Titans back in the day. So tell me, uh, I mean, do you, do you enjoy doing it? Uh, is it something you look forward to every year, the traveling end up beating you up, or do you enjoy the traveling as well? Well, I really enjoy it. Um, you know, it's frustrating. It's a, it's a hard business to move up in. And, uh, you know, there's so many guys that, that uh, have that, that Hall of Fame pedigree that uh, they seem to come in and they always slot them in above us, us guys that were just the grinders when we were playing. It's amazing how it just continues on in life. You know, if you're a grinder, you're always just scratching and clawing, looking for your opportunity. And uh, that's the way it's been for me as a commentator. But I'm very fortunate I have I've had 15 years with CBS, they keep asking me to come back, and uh, I'm also in the insurance world because I cannot climb that ladder and get to where I can, you know, be one of the top guys uh, where I can just focus on doing the announcing and get compensated for right. it. But the way it is right now, I, I love doing it. I, I, I wish that uh, that I could move up the ladder a little bit more so. But the bottom line is, you know, I'm just still biding my time, waiting for that opportunity, and, and uh, it really is. Uh, uh, you know, great to be around the game. You still get to keep up with the coaches and the players, and uh, you still feel like you're in contact with what's going on in the NFL. And, uh, you know, it was such a huge part of my life. I, 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 it's, I, I am a football guy, and to be able to uh, continue on in, in the broadcasting has been uh, a, a lot of fun, and I hope it goes on for a lot more years. I love it. Well, I think you're fantastic at it, and uh, I'm hoping I'm going to see you in the Mississippi Delta this year if, the, if it's all uh, works out, and uh, we'll show you a great time. But uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, via California. I know you're busy, and uh, I miss you, brother. I, I appreciate it. We've been with Steve Berline, incredible NFL career, the man at Notre Dame. Uh, he is uh, in California now, and you can hear him on CBS on Sundays calling games in the NFL. Can't thank you enough, number seven. Appreciate you. You've been inside a Mississippi Minute. Later. I'm Steve Azar. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.